You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Last week we kicked off this series entitled Travel Light because we know there are a lot of things that burden us down. And uh, Tom, like I said earlier, started this series with anxiety and talked about anxiety and how we know where the antidote for anxiety is, and it's found in Jesus Christ and gave some practical steps there. Uh, we're gonna continue this week, and uh, I wanna start with the story. You may remember this, back in 2018, there was a guy in Fresno, California, who was house-sitting for his parents. And, uh, and while he was there, there was a spider in the house. And uh, that kinda just freaked some of you out just saying that. But this guy was freaked out as well. And so he went and found um, like a little propane tank with a little blowtorch on it and decided he would like incinerate this spider. Well, the problem is that there was a gap between where the wall and the floor meet and the flame found its way under the wall and, in, under the wall and into the wall. And it incinerated whatever was in the wall and it went all the way up into the attic and before he realized it, part of the house was already engulfed in flames. So he goes outside, they call, there's 25 firemen that show up on the scene, two fire trucks. Most of the house was destroyed, um, certainly a lot of the contents. And, uh, and, and it was just because he you know, tried to burn a spider because it freaked him out. But I, I love the quote by the battalion chief and here's what he said. We don't ever recommend using some type of heating device like that to get rid of any vermin or spiders. Okay, so some of you need to write that down, okay? And then I love this part. He says, this was probably a bad idea. To which we would go, duh, you know, you still use that word. Um, But we would go, yeah, that was probably a little bit overkill, pun intended. Don't go to that extreme to get rid of a spider. You know, they said he probably should have used some type of insecticide, okay? Or a foot. How about that? You know, a broom, something like that. Your wife. I mean, somebody else to get the spider. But, but in, in our lives, there are things that kind of make their way into our heart that we allow to stay there that we should really do everything possible to get rid of. Because they come in and they just do damage. And they do long-term damage. Anxiety is one of those things. The thing that we're talking about today is anger. And anger certainly is one of those things. It certainly, long-term, can do tremendous damage. Not just to the here and now, but it can do damage to your future relationships. And for some of you, it's anger that has carried over from many, many years ago that is doing damage to your relationship you're in now. Your kids suffer because of anger you're holding on to. Your marriage suffers because of anger that you're hanging on to. Your job, the people that you know around you, they suffer because you hold on to anger and it is affecting you in many, many ways and many times you don't even know because it's like a little Trojan horse that gets inside your heart and in the moments that you least expect it, it shows up. It shows up in your conversations when you just have these outbursts It shows up on your job when you just walk out for no apparent reason. It shows up with your kids because you just scream at them and you overreact to things they do. And there's there's pent up anger inside us. And the reason it's there 
is many times it's because something that has carried over from years and years and years ago. And the basis for it is this. We are saying to somebody else, you owe me. You owe me. You did something wrong to me in my childhood. You owe me an apology. You, know, you owe me a redo on my graduation. You, know, you owe me a redo on that first marriage. You owe me a redo on the way you handled money. You know, owe me a redo on the happiness that you robbed from me to, from a time in my life that should have been some of the happiest times of my life. You owe me an explanation for why you did me the way you did me so wrong. You owe me an apology. And that is the basis for much of our anger that is pent up inside us. We think that somebody, and if we could reach way back into our history, or maybe just a week or so ago, or further back than that, we would say, you owe me an apology, or you owe me, and you fill in the blank. And these underlying circumstances trigger us because of something that happened years and years and years ago. The guy that we're gonna read about or read from today is the, name, the guy by the name of Paul. Paul was one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, but before that, he was a persecutor of the church. He despised Christians. He was a religious fanatic who despised Christians, hated Christians, and would see to it that many of them were killed, stoned. And so he was converted tremendously, miraculously on, his, on a road one day, and he became the greatest missionary probably uh, Christianity has ever known. And as a result, he suffered a lot. And one of the things that he suffered is he was imprisoned by the Romans. But while he was in prison, he didn't waste any time. He wrote some letters to some churches. We call these the prison epistles. It's, it's uh, Ephesians, it's Colossians, and it's Philippians. He wrote these epistles to churches while he was sitting in a prison cell. While he could have been fuming mad about the circumstances he found himself in, he decided to write some letters to some churches. In one of those letters, he wrote some words that I think is gonna help us with our anger. And I love how he started out this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. If you have your Bible and you wanna turn there, if not, it'll be up here on the screen. He says this, he says, be angry. And I wanted to put an exclamation point right there because that's how we feel a lot of times. We just want somebody to say, you are justified in being angry, so you go out and you just be angry at everybody, you be angry at the world and let them have it. And doesn't that feel good when you do that? I mean, if you ever you know, did something crazy when you were angry, like punch a wall, that feels good to punch a wall for a minute, <laughs> no, a second. And then it's over, you know, kick a dog, don't do that, I don't recommend that. But, uh, but you know, doing something to let your rage out. It's just like, be angry. And we would love to stop right there because there are times when our anger is unavoidable and there are times when our anger is justifiable. You and I have a right at certain times to be angry. And so Paul says, you be angry, but he says, do not sin. You be angry, and do not sin. So in those moments, when you have those times when your anger is justifiable, anger can quickly shift over into sinful behavior if we're not aware of when that shift takes place. And so today, we're going to look and understand that unchecked anger is sinful and it's harmful. Unchecked anger, you be angry if you're justified in being so, but he says you be angry, but don't sin in your anger. In your anger, make sure you do not sin or commit any kind of sin because it is sinful and it can be harmful. And for many of us, 
It is harmful. And if you're a follower of Jesus, these words are for you saying that you, in your moments of anger, when you have justifiable anger, you might be angry for an instant, but you better very quickly get rid of it because it can turn into sin. If you're not a follower of Jesus, anger has the same effect on you too. It can turn into something very harmful. It can damage your relationships, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your job performance, so many different areas of your life. And so the question is, is how do we know when our anger has become sinful? How do I know? I mean, am I just justified in being angry when that person cuts me off in traffic? And then when, how quickly do I have to release that for it not to be sin? Or is it sin in that moment? Up for debate. Sometimes it's justifiable, okay? And if that was you yesterday, no, I'm kidding. Um, but how do we know? How do we know? Well, Paul continues. He says this. You be angry, do not sin. Then he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now listen, when you got ready to get married, okay, somebody gave you some good marital advice. And they said this. They said, do not go to bed angry. Tracy and I have been married for 34 years almost, 34 years in August, and I will tell you, we have not always gotten this right. And if you've been married more than probably a week, you probably haven't gotten it right either. There are probably been times when you, and I, I, it just drives me crazy when people say, no, we never go to bed mad. No, he just says, okay, so you'll let him go to bed. <laughs> and you think everything's resolved, but he's still laying there mad. And it may not get resolved. Okay, that's a different sermon. We'll come back to that later. Um, but he's saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning, and that was the advice you heard, don't go to bed angry, but you know there are some times that you just can't resolve that conflict in a 24-hour period. You can't, or maybe it happened in the evening and, and you just can't you know, take care of it in a couple of hours or a few minutes. It's something that carries over and you've gotta, you've gotta learn to deal with, you've gotta work through it. But what he is saying, he's saying, you've got to deal with anger as quickly as you possibly can. You've got to get, deal with it as fast as you can. And for some of you, this sun going down on your, on, on your anger isn't necessarily a 24 period of time. It is maybe a season of time. Maybe it was your childhood. And something happened in your childhood and you are justifi justifiably angry about what happened or how your parents didn't treat you the way that somebody else's parents treated them. You felt like in that childhood upbringing, you were justified in it. But the problem is you let the sun go down on that season and you brought that into maybe the next season of your life. Or maybe you were married to somebody who was utterly a jerk he cheated on you, she lied to you, she cheated on you with the finances. You have justifiable reasons to be angry, but yet you moved into another marriage or into another season of life and you did not resolve that anger. And so you carried it into the next season of your life. You let the sun go down on this season without dealing with the anger. And now it's affecting this season of your life. And so Paul goes on. And he says, and don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity, do not leave the door open for the devil to creep in in your moments and your season of anger because unchecked anger opens up the door for the devil to have his way in your life. Your second marriage is miserable because you never dealt with the anger you carried over from the first. 
You're raising your kids in a way that you said you would never do because you didn't deal with the anger that you had for your parents in another season of life. And you carry that over. And so you have given an opportunity. You've opened the door for the devil. And whether you believe in the devil or not, there's something going on inside you. I happen to believe in the devil. And you know why I do? Because Jesus did. And when we say, believe that Jesus believed in the devil, we should believe in the devil because whatever Jesus says is true. And so when you have unchecked anger, when you don't resolve it, the devil has an opportunity to make his way into your current life and your current relationships that you're in. So the question would be, what do we do with our anger? I mean, if punching a wall doesn't do it or kicking the dog or going out and driving real fast and screaming at the top of your lungs, if that doesn't do it, how do we deal with our anger, even if it's justifiable anger? We've got to deal, do with it. So skip down to verse 31. Paul continues this thought as he kind of jumps in and covers a lot of things there. Then he jumps down to verse 31 and he just kind of sums up all of this different types of anger. And he kind of gives us a little bit more of an outline. He says this, you've got all this bitterness, this pent up resentment, and you refuse reconciliation. You would say this, I don't care if they ever tell me they're sorry, I will never forgive them. And I've heard people say those words and I'll just kind of go, are you serious? I mean, that, that's how bitter you are toward them. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. You can never forgive them and that's what bitterness is all about. It's pent up anger. It's just pent up uh, this idea that you'll never reconcile. Then there's this wrath and this is this sudden outburst of anger. This is those times when you just scream at the top of your lungs and nobody else is in the car or nobody else is in the house and you just, you just let it out. And it's like, where did that come from? Well, there's anger inside there. And then he talks about this word anger. And this is just this idea of us having this screaming out at this personal animosity and it's the flaring up of our passions. When you're really passionate about somebody, or something, and usually that somebody is yourself, as we'll talk about in a minute. When you're really passionate about that, anger tends to make its way out. And then this idea of, of clamor. This is, this is when, it, when you're talking angrily to no one, but you're talking loud enough for everyone to know what you're, ta what you're mad about. This stupid, you know, it's when you're pushing the, the shopping cart at Walmart, and it's got that one wheel, and you're just talking, I don't know why they don't fix these stupid things. And you're, that's clamoring. You're mad about it and you don't have anybody to tell it to, but you're telling it to everybody. That's clamoring, that's what it is. And we, we're all guilty of it, you know? Or maybe I'm the only one, I don't know. That's why I don't go to Walmart because they will not fix those shopping carts. Um, then there's slander. And we know what that is. That's just talking bad about people. It's, it's, it's talking bad about people that you know something about and you're just slandering them, you're, you're, you're you're angry at them, and so you just, you just cut them down. You just, you just use your words to just slander them and it's abusive speaking out against someone else. And then he says, along with all malice, and this word malice, it just summarizes every emotion, every feeling, everything that is not encapsulated in those words. So anything that you would think, well, he didn't include me there. No, malice includes all of that. Anything, any emotion that you have that's associated with anger, that's a summary of it. All. And here's what he says. He said, I want you to take all of those things, all of those things, and here's what he says. He says, let all of that be put away from you. He said, I just want you to take it and I just want you to put it away. Just put it out of you. It's like on Wednesday mornings when I wake up 
and I go out to the, to the side of the house. The trash can has all the garbage in it. I make sure all of it from the house is in there and I push it out to the side of the road and the fine town of China Grove send their guy around. They pick it up and they take it to the landfill. That's what he's saying. He said, you take all of the anger, all the bitterness, all the clamor, everything that's this, all this emotion that's pent up inside of you, even if it's justifiable, and you put it out of you, put it out. And here's the idea of it. I grew up deer hunting, okay? And we loved to go deer hunting, squirrel hunting, all that kind of stuff. And there were times when you would kind of like walk into the woods early in the morning before the sun was up and you're using a flashlight. And sometimes a flashlight doesn't catch everything that you need to avoid, especially a spider web. Yeah, you've done it too. So you're walking along, minding your own business, and all of a sudden this spider web gets wrapped around your face. And you just keep walking, right? You just keep mosing on, going, oh, spiderweb. No, you don't. What do you do? You start clawing at it, and you start pulling, and you're like, oh, God, where's the spider? And you start doing everything you can to get that spiderweb off of you because you know there's a spider somewhere. And you don't know if he's in the center of the web, on the outside of the web, or if he's off hunting somewhere else. You just need to get the spider web off. This is always fun when you're walking down a sidewalk and you look across the street and somebody else walks into a spider web and you don't see the spider web. And you just think this person has lost their mind because they start clawing at everything they possibly can. That's the idea he says. He says, you've got to do everything you possibly can to get this anger out of you because it is destroying you. It's destroying you and everybody around you and you don't even know it. You can't even see it, but it's there. And so we, under, we, we think about it and we go, but listen, it's their fault. They did me wrong. They said something to me. They embarrassed me. They humiliated. They stole my reputation. They stole my happiness. I'm not saying that. The hurt is real. I understand. But the anger part, that's on you. And that's on me. And we're the ones who have to do something about it. Because you know what? It comes from a place inside us. Is what James talks about, who is the half-brother of Jesus, who could have really been mad because his perfect brother was put on a cross and sacrificed for everybody else, hung on a tree, hung up on the cross for you and for me. And James could have been a very angry individual, but here's what he said in James chapter four, verse one. He says, what causes quarrels and what quarrels and what causes fights among you? To which we would say, they do. It's their fault. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have done that. They should have been at my graduation. They should have been at all my soccer games. They should have been at my baseball games. They should have been, they should have, they should have done this. They shouldn't have said that. And we can go down the list and say, you wanna know what causes quarrels? They cause it because they are insensitive and they don't care. They don't love me. They don't treat me the way that I deserve to be treated. And we start going down this list and going, it's the other person's fault and I can build a good case around that. But James says, that's not it. He says, so the question is, let me go back here. What is the root of the fruit you're producing? And that's what we need to ask. What is the root of the fruit that I'm producing? What is the root of the anger that's coming out of me? What is it? Here's what, what James says. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Is it not that you want your way and you didn't get your way? 
Is it not that you want an apology and you've never received an apology? Is it not that somebody owes you some money and they've never paid you back that money? Is it not, and, and he's saying, no, that's not it. The problem is, it's the passions inside of you that are at war within you. It's because you want other people to accommodate you. You want other people to accommodate your emotions and your feelings and your needs. This word passions, it comes from a little Greek word that is basically hedonist. And that is basically meaning to satisfy self. And the root of our anger many times, most times, if not all times, is because we want a need that we have inside us to be satisfied. We want somebody to simply say, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. I treated you poorly, I sinned against you. I, and we want somebody to say those. And the problem is, you may or may not ever receive those words. And because you've never received those words, you just keep carrying anger. And you keep carrying anger because this passion, this desire for satisfaction, self-satisfaction of having those words spoken to you has never been satisfied. And so we hold on to anger because we want to be satisfied. We want somebody to say they are sorry. We want something from someone because they took something from us. They took something from us. And so we want something back in return. James goes on. He says, so you desire and you do not have. And so he says, he goes to this extreme and he says, so you murder. And maybe you're not out physically killing anyone, but in your mind you might have. In your mind you might have had some terribly ill will toward them. You've probably had some conversations with them in your head that was really laced with a lot of profanity that you would never say out loud, but you're so angry that you keep having these conversations swirling around here. If they would just call me, if they would just call me, I would tell them this. You may have written it out in a letter or a text message or an email, and you had to delete it out because you were just so angry. And so you desire, you don't have, you don't have what they, you think they owe you. And so you're murdering them. You have this animosity toward them. You covet, cannot obtain. So here's what you do. You fight and you quarrel. The result of a selfish desire is that we covet and we want something from somebody that they can never give us in Return. You want something from them because they took something from you. They took your happiness. They took your childhood. They took your marriage that you thought would have been uh, just exactly what it should have been. I mean, he was your knight in shining armor. She was your beautiful princess of a bride and it quickly went down a wrong path and you're carrying all of this anger. You're making bad decisions because you're carrying anger. You're jumping into bad relationships because you're carrying anger. You're lashing out at your children because you're carrying anger. So we go back to Ephesians in chapter four, verse 31. He says, I want you to let this be put away from you. Don't carry that any longer. You've gotta get rid of it because it's affecting you in so many ways. And you would go, how do I do that? How do I do that? I need them to pay me back, but they can't do it or they won't do it. They refuse to do it. It's been years now. So how do I do it? Paul says this, be kind to one another. Let's just start by being nice. Let's just start by being kind to even those people who haven't been kind to you. And he says, and in being kind to one another, I want you to be tender hearted. 
And if you can't be tenderhearted, you need to take inventory of your heart because that's where it all begins. It starts in our heart. And the anger is just the fruit of the root of bitterness that's in our heart. And then he goes on and he tells us to do something that is very, very difficult for us to do, and that is forgiving one another. Forgiving one another just simply means to cancel a debt. Forgiving one another means to say, I know you owe me something, legitimately owe me something. You owe me an apology, but I'm, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm never gonna receive that, and even if I do, it still will never be enough because you took something from me that you can never give back to me. But what I'm gonna choose to do is I'm going to choose to cancel the debt. And I'm gonna say, you don't owe me an apology any longer. You don't owe me that money, that debt any longer. You don't owe me anything anymore. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness basically closes the door on the opportunity for the devil and the account of the debtor. So when you close the door to bitterness, when you close the door to anger, you say, all right, devil, you're not gonna get into my life through bitterness. You're not gonna get into this marriage because of bitterness that I have for somebody else. You're not gonna get into this relationship because of anger that I've carried over from another relationship or from another situation because I'm releasing them of that. I am canceling their debt. And so devil, you can't have your way any longer because I have canceled the debt to the person that legitimately owes me something for what they took from me. He goes on, you be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and here's how he says do it, as God in Christ forgave you. Because we look at it and we go, yeah, they owe me something. And the only reason I'm, the only way I can cancel the debt is if they give me what they rightfully owe me. But yet, if we think about it, the way Paul worded this, he says, I want you to forgive somebody else, cancel their debt, because that's exactly what God, through his son Jesus Christ, did for you. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he paid a debt that he did not owe. He didn't owe you anything. While you and I were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. We owed him everything. He owed us nothing, yet he gave everything for us on the cross. And he says, and that is your example just Jesus had no part in your sin, yet he forgave you. The other person has a lot of part in your sin and to probably some extent you had some part in it as well, but yet he's saying forgive just like God in Christ Jesus forgave you. And that puts our anger in perspective or it should put our anger in perspective. If Jesus can close the account on you and me, then you can close the account on somebody else. Because listen, there's, there's no way they can pay you back anyway. Your parents that you're holding on to anger, they can never give you back those years. That first marriage that you were in, they can never give you back that. That boss that you worked for that you're still mad about, he can never give you that back. They're never going to be able to give you back what it is that you feel like they owe you. So you might as well just cancel the debt just like God did through Jesus Christ. And I wanna give you three things real quickly in the next couple of minutes. Three things that I believe will help you as you work through canceling the debt. Some things that you and I need to do. Number one, you need to identify with whom you are angry. Identify the person or the persons with whom you're angry. And write it down, write their name down. Don't plaster it somewhere, don't need it on the whiteboard in the kitchen. 
for your husband to see that you're mad at him, okay? Marty said do it. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it was me. Uh, you know, so, but identify who it is and write it somewhere maybe in private. Uh, it may be from another season of life. It may be in a season of life that you're in. There may be an open account with somebody that has gone on for years and years and years. And the people around you are suffering because you are identifying them as the problem. And really the problem is 20 years ago. Identify it. Number two, determine. Determine what it is they owe you. What is it that you feel like they took from you that you're expecting or wanting them to repay you? Determine what it is, write it down, write it down maybe over a period of time. You may be driving down the road and realize it is. Now, I don't recommend you write it down while you're driving, okay? But at the next red light, write it down somewhere, put it in your phone until the person behind you honks at you. That may be me, okay? What are you doing? You said do it. Uh, but, but determine what it is they owe you. Write it down because you need to know what the debt is so that you can cancel that debt. And then finally, you've got to make a decision and decide that you're going to cancel the debt. And there's lots of ways you could do this. If you, if you write it down on paper, you can have like a burning ceremony. I do not recommend you do this in the house. I recommend you maybe go out to the backyard and have a fire pit or a, a metal, metal trash can. Put it in there, burn it. Burn that anger up and just, just say, hey, I release you from it. I'm canceling the debt and this is how I'm gonna signify that. I'm going to burn it. Maybe you just need to go outside and bury it. I said this in the first service and somebody came up to me after and said, you might wanna clarify that you mean the piece of paper and not the person. <laughs> Point taken, okay? So you take a piece of paper, write their name on it, wad it up, bury it in a hole and maybe put a cross at the headstone. So that when you look out there and every time that emotion creeps back up on you, you go, I'm angry at them again. You look out there and you see the cross and you go, okay, as God in Christ forgave me, I forgive them. As God in Christ forgave me, I forgive them. As God in Christ forgave me, I forgive them. And you just repeat that over and over and let the word of God sink in and stay in the habit of not letting the sun go down on your anger, whether it's in a 24 hour period or a season of life, make sure the account stays closed, keep a short list and take care of those things. And you've got, you're, you're the one responsible for carrying your own anger. It's no one else's fault. And I know this is easier said than done, believe me. As I've been going through this message this week, I've done some soul searching about some things that I believe that I've carried. I've carried some things, I've carried some emotion that I've not let go of. And, I, and, and it's, a, it's a work in progress for me just like it is for you. So I know it's, it's easier said than done, but we've gotta keep working at this because pent up anger is unhealthy, it's sinful and it's damaging the relationships that you are in. So in summary, here they are for you. Putting away anger by identifying with whom you're angry, determine what they owe you, and then decide to cancel the debt. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, Jesus canceled your debt. And he wants to be your savior. He wants to be your redeemer. He wants to give you eternal life. And he wants you to become his child. And so today, if you'd like to do that, we'd love to meet you maybe down front or back in the guest VIP room as soon as this service is over. But all, let's all stand together. I think this is something just like last week that hits home for all of us in some, some level or another. And so my prayer for you is that you can cancel the debt 
that somebody owes you, legitimately owes you, but can never repay you. And even if they could, you still can cancel the debt and get this root of bitterness out of our hearts for good. Father, thank you so much for the forgiveness that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. And it's my prayer that his example would be our example. And that God, we could go out of here today and decide for ourselves to cancel the debt of anger. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.